Ali, can you name everything we have in the practice that is made by WNH? Off the top of my head, my implant motor, the piezomed module that attaches to it, my implant hand pieces, all of our speed increasing and turbine hand pieces, as well as our sterilizing equipment. It's really nice kit that looks really sleek. I assume you chose it to match the aesthetics of the practice. That's a lovely added bonus, but actually WNH is an Austrian company known for high quality instruments and optimal hygiene. Studies show that patients care most about hygiene, so it was a no-brainer. I guess Caroline and the whole UK team being so supportive is another added bonus. Absolutely, they provide incredible support. They don't sell direct to dental practices. We buy their kit through dental suppliers, so they provide great support without ever selling. That's true support. Why do you use Southern Implants? So many reasons, but it's all about using site-specific implants to our advantage. What does that mean? We can reduce the indication for zygomatic implants with soft bone pterygoid implants, which take five minutes to place, and max implants into immediate molar sites to reduce cantilever. I think the coaxis implants are incredible. I agree. Did you know that 38% of southern implant sales are coaxis? Which means you're compromising 38% of the time if our system doesn't allow angle correction at implant level. Southern implants advanced range is such an advantage. Greetings dental professionals and enthusiasts. I'm Flo, a recent addition to the field, eager to absorb knowledge and advance in my career. And I'm Ali, a seasoned dentist with diverse experience from implants to lecturing to practice ownership and beyond. Welcome to Pearls, two generations in dentistry, where we explore the depth of dental expertise. Join us for insightful discussions, stories, case studies, and a touch of dental humor. Whether you're a seasoned practitioner or navigating the early years of practice, this podcast is a space where knowledge is passed down and shared. Pearls, two generations in dentistry, your source for dental pearls of wisdom. So Ali, how's your week been? I've had a very busy but very good week, thank you. Um, so I guess the main thing was that I've previously spoken about a uh, surgery surgery we were going to record and yesterday was the day where we had a film crew in and a patient in and we did a combination of procedures um, mm. using Navident, using Southern Implants and we put together what could be a really cool case for teaching and uh, for a lecture I'm going to give but it was knackering because we started at 9.30 and because the amazing videographer wanted to get a shot of everything we were going till about seven o'clock mm. so the poor patient was very tired but it was um it was brilliant how about yours um i've had a very busy week as well but it's been very very productive i finished off an an ortho case this week i've sort of very much got more into the ortho side of things i was using one system and then a started a new job and the principal um, dentist there has been sort of showing me this other system which it was really good to get to the end, end of and see, I mean, very happy patient and it's been cool doing all the wire bending and, and sort of those really little tweaks that actually do make such a difference in the end and sort of being able to sort of utilise all of the tools in your wheelhouse to sort of get get to the end result that you want. 
you know when you say system is that are both of these systems that you've been using are they both like short-term ortho systems or you go on a course and use them yeah, so yeah so the originally i went um so the original system i was using was cfast um so you go on a yeah you go on a course and it's then that short-term fixed orthodontics um and i do like it but it, again it's learning each system has areas you can use it and areas you can't use it um, so this is instead using sort of more ceramic um, brackets and getting a little bit more into the weeds of orthodontics and um, so that's been really useful so that the what the case you just finished it sounds like it wasn't a system you were doing ortho yeah that's yeah, awesome yes. that was proper ortho. <laughs> yeah. i mean you we can call we can call ortho a system <laughs> wires and brackets and stuff i mean yeah. i know nothing about ortho but yeah that's awesome okay yeah. really cool so um no that was that was definitely a, a highlight highlight of my week i'd say um cool. but um yeah and then just trying to I was listening to another podcast this week. I am uh, very much a podcast addict, um, but they were talking about how important it is sort of spending time outside. So I've also been trying to make sure I spend enough time outside. Recommend three hours a day. Do you spend three hours a day outside? No, no. Is that is that to do with um, light or air or nature? All of the above. Okay. Um, I know it's really important to sort of getting that morning light, but it's just, I think it's connecting with nature. A lot of it as well was to do with like play and getting into that side of it. I won't go into all the details, but it was a very interesting podcast. It did make me think that I think at lunchtime, we probably all should be going for a walk. Yeah. Well, you've said that to me before. Mm. And actually, if for, for so many reasons, including to do with blood sugar, but um, I think it's really helped me having dogs to walk so that I mm. make sure I'm outside for an hour in the morning but yeah it's um we're all busy but it's 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 funny you say this because as we come you know as we're finished ending one year and coming into the next year I've really been thinking about this year and one of the biggest changes I've made is after we had our growth day as a practice and we had a lot of um reflecting and education really on that mm. day about about um our mental health and our physical health and I've always made excuses. I've always been busy or, you know, circumstances. And with a, with a little child, you make even more excuses. But I was taking stock of what's changed. That was in June. We went on the growth day. Mm. We went to uh, mountain yoga, which was awesome. And um, we had a day of lots of teaching. But I came away from that and I was thinking about which habits I've changed since then. And there are a lot mm. of things that you were already doing and you've been ahead of everyone and really helped the practice to adopt these. But... I think they've really changed my life. So um, when I looked at it, I realized um, my breakfast is high fat, high protein with no carbs in the morning. Mm -hmm. I'm starting my day with rehydration before I have that. I've started working out with a personal trainer a couple of times a week. So that's made me more active. Mm. I've been waking up at the same time every morning. So just after 5 a.m. so the consistency for sleep and having cold showers every day mm. and in the winter that's really hit and I've realized I'm a different person to what I was um, my mental health and my physical health and my resilience and I just think there's so much value in all of these small changes but as someone who has adopted a lot of really positive changes 
what would you say is the the starting point to to all of these things? Oh, I suppose for everyone it's very individual. Um, I really got into it during COVID when we had so much time on our hands. Yeah. Um, but then I've always been really active, and for me that was my sort of way in was just falling in love with running and then that led to so many other then sort of that healthy lifestyle and looking looking at nutrition and trying to not set I'm very much I don't really like the old the whole thing with diets I don't think we should mm. be sort of necessarily I say this as a vegan who clearly cuts out a huge food group but I don't think um dieting is sort of cutting you know things out is the way to go it's about adding in nutrients and thankfully with a vegan diet it's very easy to add in a lot of nutrients but it doesn't have to be a vegan diet that you do that through actually i i i found one of the best tips for because there was you know we both talked about this there was a, a lot of information coming out about is it hitting 30 different types of fruits or vegetables a week mm. and one of the best uh, for for your gut health and that impacts everything and one of the changes that i found really useful is to have a jar with fruits for not fruits sorry seeds and nuts mm. and about 10 different types and just putting that on my breakfast you're already at 10 before you start mm. and so those the easy steps are actually so easy um, maybe maybe that's a an, an episode we need to do one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so, did anything else happen in your week? I think we had a a shared patient this week, and it presented us each with a different sort of um, challenge to what we've had before. Uh, I, I you know what I'm talking about, so I'll I let you I start. do I do. Um, so. Ali's lovely mother-in-law came in to see us um, and she getting a lot of pain from a tooth it was easy to diagnose which tooth but it wasn't the easiest diagnosis as to what exactly was going on with the tooth definitely sort of some pulpitis but there wasn't and there wasn't a big cavity or anything in there that was like yes it's definitely definitely that causing it um, but I could see, I could just about see a crack. So that was sort of the the diagnosis there. We tried, we we thought we didn't open and dress and we tried to see if we could, could hold on to the tooth, but it was a little bit of a lost cause. I mean, the harder part of that appointment was not the, the tooth or the patient. It's a, it's that you had the patient's family in the room. Yeah. <laughs> with my wife, who's a dentist. Yes. Um, what was that like? Because I guess, you know, Zara's been off on maternity leave since you've been at the practice, but um, she's she's the principal dentist here and she's kind of standing over you whilst you're doing your job. So what was that like? Uh, it was a bit nerve wracking to start with. I think there's always that element of, you know, she is technically my boss and I want to want to make sure that she thinks I'm a good dentist. <laughs> she does, by the way. Her, her and her mum were very impressed. I have to say that. I'd, ra I'd rather just tease you about, about how upset and miserable they were, but actually they were really happy. Uh -oh. um, but actually I realised quite quickly, I was like, actually, this is a really good source to use, not just for getting a really good history, because the great thing with treating 
sort of someone in the dental or healthcare field is they will give you a much better history than yeah. the the average joe um but also just to have another set of eyes that look at look at the ipa and um and sort of to explain as well sort of some of those options with sort of knowing full well sort of what her schedule was going to be like and things it was really good to sort of get that whole picture from um for the patient by using yeah because that. i mean your options the thing about zara's mum is that she travels a lot and she's going to be away for a few months and all these are factors in choosing treatment options aren't they mm. um because i know a lot of people who say i i don't treat family um and i think one of the evolutions of clinical practice especially if you're if you're doing general dentistry it's not always the case but if you're doing things that um come by referral for example with implants for me i i'll often have a patient bring a family member mm. so getting comfortable with a patient's family member watching and then colleagues coming to watch or colleagues bringing their family members in so a lot of our referring dentists send their for example their parents in and come and stand and watch and it's like a, it's just a different level of pressure isn't it mm. and i think um it's one that some people stay away from but i really i really believe that actually getting into the mindset of just treating everyone the same even though the situation may not be the same is such an integral part of making sure that your treatment choices always remain neutral and correct mm. um so it's really nice that it didn't completely put you off cuz after she saw you she was trying to make up her mind about whether to try and save the tooth or not but it basically split down the middle and she came in and Zara came in with her and took uh the tooth out and um then i was asked to put an implant in kind of between patients so i had about 10 minutes to put an implant in for my mother-in-law and uh if it weren't for zara explaining things there would be almost no consent process there um but uh yeah i i when i was a general dentist i did a root canal for zara's mom mm. and um for the for everyone at home i did see it on the the other side IPA and it is a lovely root canal you did Thank a lovely you. job <laughs> and what did i say when you told me that i said i used to do really good root canals really humble right um yeah but but um that when i remember doing that and i remember really feeling under pressure and that was when zora and i had first got married and uh i was trying to impress my mother-in-law and I guess I was doing things that weren't my clinical calling as well. I, not that I was bad at them. I just didn't enjoy them and I don't think you can understand everything through and through, right? Mm -hmm. I personally don't think molar endo is something that general dentists should be asked to do. Um it's it's really complex, uh but um I think that added to it. So I guess doing something that you're used to and therefore comfortable with makes a big difference in those scenarios. Yeah, no definitely. I've um I've done a little bit of work on family members. Um I always said to my husband that I'd never take his tooth out, but I did end up taking his wisdom tooth out. Um and actually it was he he sort of was like I really want you to. Um, who, who would you rather be doing it for him, you know? You know you're you? going to do it. <laughs> no. I mean, I mean the, the thing is I think the biggest compliment in dentistry is when your colleagues bring come to you or bring their families to you. I think I think if you have a nurse and this is just a general thing, right? And I've been there, so I'm not criticizing anyone. If you have a nurse who t who takes her family members or it goes or takes herself to 
to someone else who does exactly what you do that's mm. telling you that you're not hitting the standard and it's a really helpful bit of feedback and if you are the person that everyone brings someone to you know that you're pushing a certain standard every day so yeah. very reassuring your husband said you take it out please <laughs> yeah don't. it was all it was all okay at the end so um, yes it kind of brings us nicely to the the topic of the day doesn't it because um all of this is all kind of part of mentoring mm. and um you can't be a mentor or a mentee without being comfortable being watched yeah no it's, it's very true actually um there's i think it, it's very there's a lot of pressure having people observe you but actually i think it does it makes you step up i think uh, someone once said to me that you always have someone watching you that's your nurse yes <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and actually the day you the day you start um treating your nurse like a colleague rather than someone who works for you and uh helping them understand what you're doing and what you're looking at that is the day they can take a step ahead of you and instead of you dragging someone through your day they drag you through your day but the beauty of that is that's someone watching you that you're actually mentoring in a way mm. right even though our scope of practice is different if they know how things work sometimes my nurse will be watching me and hand me an instrument actually zara said this she came in to take her mom's tooth out and she was working with rochelle who's one of the nurses i work with regularly and rochelle handed her luxator with an angle because rochelle looked at it and went this is what ali would use mm. and zara's like i've never seen a luxator like that i didn't know we owned those that was amazing i'm like look at the value of having a great nurse who's paying attention who's a step ahead but also a nurse who's kind of been mentored in a clinical way and mm. now can really work with mm. anyone who needs that kind of guidance i think it's really cool that's really interesting you said that because actually in my foundation year i because of covid and i think the lot you know the long times we were in with those agps and everything the practice i was in rotated the nurses whereas every other year had been there was the fd's nurse and that was your nurse but i found it so useful because it meant that one day a week i got the the principal dentist's nurse and i just used to be like okay what would what would what would he use here yes. what did he do and it was great she'd be like oh well he did this or he would use this and he take and it was so useful having that that information and they are such a such a source to be tapped into I completely agree. Uh I think I think the problem is we don't see, often see other people work and having a nurse who does see other people work is is so valuable. Yeah. Why did you invest in the Navident dynamic navigation system? I really believe this is the future. It offers unbelievable accuracy and flexibility for us and our patients. I think it's only as good as the support and we are so lucky that Rob provided the training and ongoing support that he has. Definitely. I spoke to his other customers before we went ahead and they said he was exactly the same with them. Be it CBCT or digital radiography hardware or software, the dental imaging company is incredible. That explains why they are the authorized dealers for so many brands such as Carestream, Merita, Der Dental and more. So in terms of, I looked up before this episode, the definition of what a mentor was. And it says a mentor is an experienced and trusted advisor. 
but Ali, what does a mentor mean to you? So I know there's loads of definitions and the ones we give when we're teaching about implant mentorship, which is so important in the world of implants, um, it encompasses a few things. I'm not going to give you that definition, but the things that it, it encompasses, they include all of the things that are outside of our profession as well. So the mentor-mentee relationship, it needs to be an honest, confidential, personal relationship. What that means is it's not just this acceptance that you're going to give me professional advice. It's getting to know each other and being comfortable talking honestly so that you can give feedback and each of you knowing that these conversations won't go outside of this relationship. Because I really believe that mentorship, although that you know you can label it as clinical mentorship, for example, but true mentorship to me spans personal and professional development. Mm. And it often includes, I mean, I think most of the time when I'm speaking to mentees, the situations are around, should I take this job? This has gone wrong clinically planning cases so you're seeing those clinical things but then oh this happened at work or this has happened at home and it's affecting me and so i really believe it's it's um mentorship is a responsibility that's a relationship that goes far outside of our clinical work mm. yeah there's i think there's so many there's so many layers and i i think so how you and i met was i responded to an advert for to become your mentee and I think going into the year I thought that I'd be picking up a lot of clinical stuff but actually the biggest lessons I think I've taken away are some of those those others the soft skills as it were I'm going to put you on the spot and say out of 10 how much of your development has been character development and how much of your development has been clinical development if you give each of those a score out of 10 this year well, clinically, I definitely think there has been a, a lot of development there. Yeah. Um, so that would probably be a seven. Yeah. Um, but character, I think, we well, yeah probably an eight. I mean, you you as a person, you haven't changed. Your nature is still the same, but the way your mind works, mm-hmm. I'd put it at a ten. But, but well. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's no no I no no, and that's not a criticism. It's that. Um, it's your it's a this is the thing when you have any mentorship or you're in any practice especially early on in your career though the way you think can change depending on where you are and it's a good fit if there's a synergy between those those things but if you're in the wrong practice there's a clash between who you are and how the place runs and you feel the turmoil but you pick up problem-solving habits or ways of doing things that might not be so good for you. But what we've seen is, I think one of the reasons this, you know, it's all worked out and we're doing a podcast together is because we get on really well. I think there's, we're very different people, but there is an alignment in many values. Mm -hmm. And I I think that actually you might not be giving yourself enough credit in how much development there has been because you always put your bar high. But this is the point that if you're, that environment and relationships really help us become who we're supposed to be if they're right. Mm. Oh yeah, Dan, Dan Butner is a big, big uh, advocate for that environment being sort of the biggest, I mean, his thing is all about health and living to a hundred, but I yeah. truly believe that, that envi- it is that environment and being able to put yourself 
in an environment that is going to sort of nurture you and sort of build you up is going to be the biggest thing to sort of advance your career rather than going on endless courses <laughs> it's funny we've been talking about this a lot haven't we um because you came in as a full-time mentee but we as a practice we didn't have enough general patients you know our, our implant side grew faster than our general side and you were looking at other opportunities to fill up your week and we talked about all the aspects uh that a job needs to tick boxes for mm. And obviously you've got to pay the bills, so money is one part of it. You've got to love it there, so belonging to a good team is there. Then clinical development, and that falls kind of, there's two sides to that. There's having access to patients to do things, to get numbers up. Um, but there's also the support, which is in one sense mentorship, but support from great nurses, great equipment, all of these things. And one of the things I get messaged about a lot I think everyone's always looking for the perfect place right off the starting blocks. And sometimes you've just got to maybe have five places, five days a week that tick five different boxes. Mm. Um, but how do you feel about your balance at the moment? Um, I think it's not quite at the perfect level. Um, there's definitely still a lot of room for growth, um, but I'm I'm actually really enjoying sort of spending my time in in different areas and sort of being able to appreciate different things different days of the week sort of when I'm here um I do slip back into that little bit more of a mentee role but it's great to sort of be able to sort of reach out and then ask some of those questions and I get to focus a lot more on the perio here which I really love um and then sort of at the end of my week, I very much have a bit more authority where I'm working and I've been able to sort of bring in new ideas from stuff that I've like learned here, which is quite, which is useful. Um, and so, yeah, it's a different, different balance, but it, it's all adding up sort of in how, yeah, how I like it then. That's one of my favorite um, quotes that I had seen was, I, I can't remember word for word, but the gist of it was that um, if you pick up a grain of sand every day, then you'll eventually realize that you've collected all of this that adds up to something. And that's the idea of trying to keep learning and developing. What, what, does, what does being a mentee mean to you? Oh, that's it. <laughs> um... I think it's um, definitely being, it, I think, sorry, this is very, this is quite tricky actually, because yeah. there's that immediate thing, you sort of want to, you feel like that student in the classroom again, that's sort of the, you know, you don't know anything, your mentor, they know everything and they're going to tell you X, Y, and Z, and you're going to do X, Y, and Z, um, but it isn't like that it's it's very i think it's a much more two-way relationship um than i and i do think i've learned that a lot more over this year i don't think my answer would have been the same last year when i was preparing to start at the job um it is yeah much more there's a lot i think the mentee can offer the mentor i agree um and yeah there's a lot of balance there there is an element of help me i don't know what i'm doing with this like what would you do in this situation um 
but yeah it's not it's not a hundred percent that way as I thought it sort of was going to be so it's interesting because I I agree we've we've never had a almost like a full-time in-house mentee so I wouldn't have known this before so and it's very difficult to say whether this is because of who you are or because of what mentorship and a mentee relationship is when it's when it's constant but I come to you for to talk through things a lot Mm. and it might not be clinical it's a lot of other things you know ideas for the practice and because this relationship has developed of of trust and being able to talk about things and and ideas developing it's been really useful but I think um it must be very difficult for you because a mentee you want to be respectful and thankful but at the same time you have to be able to argue because you can't just accept ideas and and if your mentor is saying something you you have to be able to disagree Mm. and for them to explain themselves and then you two to either agree to disagree because there's a philosophical difference or to actually bring each other around to a point Mm. and what i found is that actually And this is this is where personalities come into it. Someone can't be, I don't think, a good mentor or a good mentee. Mm. I think there are good mentor-mentee relationships, and it's about finding the right people. Yeah, that it's it works a with synergistic relationship, yes. isn't it? And yeah, you've got to be get that critical appraisal, critical thinking hat on for some conversations. <laughs> but, I, I mean, because um, you're the only mentee that the practice has had. But outside of here, there are implant dentists that I mentor and some more hands-on than others. So there are implant dentists that will call to talk about cases when there's an issue, meet for a coffee. There's um, Ash in Hereford now, who he's really taking off and I go spend a day or two every month with him. And more and more I'm drinking coffee whilst he's doing the work. Mm -hmm. But that's actually like a more intense surgical um, day together. And I'd say that there are people that all these different types of mentor-mentee relationships could work with and maybe not with others. So um, I think we can't expect every, like in life, we can't expect everything from one relationship. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there's possibility, the more people you know, the more people you spend time with, the more chance you find someone that you connect with in some capacity to learn from or to teach to. Mm. So when you put out that advert to sort of find me what was like in your head like what did you want to what were you looking for as such so the difficulty that we had and i've spoken to a lot of practice owners who have this problem is um we needed a dentist to come in and to zara was going off on maternity leave and we needed someone to come in and take over that part of the practice but the problem is we had lovely dentists in the past the problem was some area of either they hadn't worked in this kind of environment and they needed some help developing um, their patient journey or communication or whatever it is, or their clinical work wasn't at the standard that we had hoped for. And the biggest problem was that we were colleagues. They'd come in as an associate and it made it very difficult to have these conversations. Um, And what we thought is, It's about someone coming in who wants to adapt to us so that we can, we're pretty uh, uncompromising about about the the ethos of the practice because we have to be, once we dilute it, we lose. And we didn't, 
I'd be much better off in many ways just traveling around doing implants like I did. But the idea was to create this place, this environment. Mm -hmm. And so we had no expectations from whoever comes in, which was you as a character. It was, we wanted someone to come in who wanted to learn, who wanted to do things our way and who it wouldn't be awkward then talking to about these things. And what it means is we re we're really about creating win-wins, right, mm. in the practice. In, a, in every scenario, we can. And we were hoping that we could transform someone's life in that time in terms of it's a crash course, it's an opportunity to learn, to be around us, to throw yourself into private dentistry where you might not have had so much exposure to it. And from our side, it was a chance to have Zara's maternity leave covered in a way that we have control over the clinical side of things. Nice. So I'm going to ask what made me sort of stand out in the interview process. But before you do, I want to tell the story yeah, of on. actually how, um, how my interview went. So I saw the advert on, I can't remember which Facebook group it was, um, and it was actually a colleague I worked with that sort of said, Flo, I think you should... I think you should apply for this and at the time I wasn't I wasn't really happy sort of where I was so I was like right I'm gonna apply for it but I didn't really have my CV properly together because I wasn't actively sort of looking for anything so I sent you an email saying I'm really interested please give me a little bit of time just to get some stuff together and I will send it across to you um, and it, it took me a couple of weeks just to sort of get everything together sent it over and I got a lovely reply from Alex, um, the practice manager, that sort of day being like, like, we've got it, can you, when can you come in for an interview? And uh, it was on a, I received this email on a Wednesday morning and I at the time worked full time but I had a little bit of time off on a Wednesday afternoon so I was like, oh, I can do Wednesday afternoons. And she was like, well can you come in today then please? And I'd, I was like, Yes, I was like, oh, okay, right. You know, need to need to make sure that I'm, um, you know, good candidate here. But I already had a physio booked in, so I sprinted back from work home. And yes, I'm very fortunate that I live at places where I can walk to work. It's one of my big things. Um, so I sprinted home quickly, sort of did my makeup, put on some, well, put on my physio clothes, had my interview clothes in a backpack went to my physio appointment, got all my muscles, sorted out, and then basically sprinted up the road to your practice. But in the meantime, I was like, all right, I need to get changed before I get there. So I just disappeared down an alleyway, got changed in an alleyway into my interview clothes, and then appeared at your door, ready to be interviewed. <laughs> and we had no idea. We had no idea all this had happened. But you made things happen, and I think... You know, I think the big thing was you sent that email even though you didn't have your CV ready and then you followed up. We, I get messages sometimes saying, oh yeah, I'm really interested, I'll be in touch and nothing happens. Mm -hmm. But you did that and then you sent through a really good portfolio and CV and it was genuine and you were like, yeah, I'll be there. And, and you know what? Part of getting opportunity, I think, in life and in dentistry is being hungry for opportunity. Mm -hmm. And... I would say your attitude is what made you stand out. This is the thing that um, people who are going to make the best go of things are the people who really want things. And that comes through. I think in, in every walk of life, 
you can tell when someone really wants something and is really going to go for it. And we were offering basically VT wages again. Mm-hmm. And that was on purpose. The idea was to find someone who is willing to compromise to take that step. And mm-hmm. it's not for everyone. But mm-hmm. your approach and then obviously your interview was very, very good. Um, I mean, you really did put me on the spot in a full sort of like quiz on a <laughs> quiz on a radiograph. <laughs> we never used to do that, but um, it, you know, it's a our responsibility to make sure that people are clinically um, of a certain standard. And I used to avoid talking about clinical stuff in interviews because I thought it was really condescending. But then you learned that actually. Not everyone knows what they need to know for certain job roles in dentistry. Not to say they don't know anything, but, you know, they don't. Mm. And um, and so, yeah, we gave you an impromptu perio quiz at that point, basically. <laughs> uh, give you a viva on the spot. Yeah. Um, and you had, not only was your knowledge very good, but this is where in, you know, you were making the leap from NHS dentistry to private, which I'm going to ask you about in a minute. But uh, the dentistry is no different. You know, dentistry is dentistry. In my opinion, it's communication that's different. Mm. And so being able to communicate clinical things in a way that is uh, understandable to the patient and being able to talk about things that you don't know enough about is important. You know, being able to say, look, I'm not sure about this. So, yeah, you handle that really well. But this is what I was going to ask you about NHS dentistry. Did you make this move to move away from the NHS or did you just want mentorship? Um, I think there was a a bit of both. There's part of me that would love to work in the NHS because I do think it is a a fabulous idea, but it's not a functional system the way it is now. And I found that particularly sort of where I was, I was having to compromise a lot on the dentistry that I actually wanted to do, that I knew would actually be the benefit to the patient sort of and create a more stable mouth in the long run but because of the system in place um, and sort of the time constraints and the financial constraints you just couldn't provide that care and then when I was sort of going above and beyond to try and do that because I couldn't justify not doing it it was then paying such a huge toll on myself that then that wasn't sustainable so I was looking sort of to get sort of out of the NHS and sort of well see what more of the private side could offer but also I think very much like driving a car you don't yes you learn dentistry in uni but you don't really learn dentistry until you're outside so and I knew I was in a place where I had these skills but I would I didn't I couldn't fully utilize lots of them because and I didn't know where to turn and that's what when this opportunity came out, I was like, at least I'm going to know, even if there's you're not standing over me being like, you know, move your hand here and do this. It's being able to know, actually, right, this course really helped me with this. Or, you know, if you think about this and this, then you'll be able to do this better. Um, so that was definitely what I was sort of looking for. It's interesting because um, I said the difference between NHS and private is communication. That's really harsh. That's the difference between treatment uptake in these two settings. But there are so many great NHS dentists uh, that they're basically either sacrificing themselves or sacrificing a practice that they're at to 
to bring great dentistry in the, the time and the finances it involves in a system that doesn't fund these things. And actually, the, the fact is that in a system where the patient doesn't come first, that there are different things to balance, um, you can never really just perform dentistry freely. And mm -hmm. I think the, the problem is we, we forget that clinical dentistry is as much philosophy as dentistry and we all have our own philosophy. And part of uh, being mentored is to develop a philosophy. It's mm. to become who you're going to become, mm. truly you. And um, I think I've spoken to practices that have had a mentoring scheme and their aim has been to develop someone who becomes an associate. Now, when we met you, we said, you might be offered an associate position. You might turn it down. We actually don't know what the future brings. And what's more important than us going, yes, we've created an associate that's staying on, is that wherever you end up in 5, 10, 15 years, whether it's here at your own practice down the road in a different career, that you see this place as a positive step. Mm -hmm. And I think the problem is sometimes mentorship schemes get tied into uh, business and financial uh, relationships, basically, where you can't really mentor someone if you have an agenda beside, besides that. And a lot of the time, the advice I've given you is bad advice for the <laughs> practice. Um, but yeah, I think you have to look at what's, what's important for that human being. So it's actually something that's not for everyone. Not everyone would enjoy. Even the, the best and most experienced clinicians might not enjoy it. I'm not the most experienced clinician. I've qualified in 2012. So yes, it's been a decade, but I think that um, my experiences and my mentorship have put me in a position where I look at it differently. Mm. Flo, what did you learn about burrs in dental school? Now that I think about it, nothing at all. Exactly the same. Surprising, eh? But I found the solution. Paul at Crown Dental Burrs takes care of everything burr related. Ah, oh, that explains why the burrs at the practice are so good. I love that I've always got the same high quality burrs neatly organised in my burr boxes, always ready for action. The box even has my name on it. That's the rotor system for you. They're also numbered so your nurse knows which one to hand you and restocking and reordering is easy. This must be pricey. It's surprisingly reasonable. Plus, Paul's burrs last longer, so it's a no-brainer. Crown Dental Burrs is the way to go. We talk about this a lot, don't we? I don't think I do. I have a few people I can call up um, for certain aspects of dentistry, but I, I kind of lean on the team around me a little bit. And, you know, it's weird because my, my work life now doesn't just consist of implants. It's also running this practice and teaching and mentoring. And so I'd say, I wouldn't say I have a mentor. A lot of people can name you one, two, three mentors throughout their career. I wouldn't say I've had that. I have... My wife is a dentist, which is unique because mm. I can chat to her about a lot of stuff and we own this practice together. I talk to Alex, who's our practice manager, about ideas. I speak to you. Mm. I speak to Aston, who's an associate here and a friend. Um, I've been on courses with people like Farhan Ahmed, who I can call up and he's the full arch guy I can turn to about things. Uh, there's a lot of people I respect in the field, people like uh, Bill Schaefer, who has his 
practice in West Sussex who has always been really generous with knowledge, information, uh, Zaki, Emer. There's a lot of people in implantology, but but for me, I've I've always wanted and wished for a mentor in that relationship, and it just never really happened. So I've got some questions from our lovely listeners. Um, first one in, what changes would you make to the university curriculum if you could? Oh, wow. Okay. That's a big one. I'd have people teaching it who practice everyday dentistry. Mm. Academics are amazing. The research they're doing is amazing. But they're almost preparing us for a world that's already changed mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean you have to scrap everything but i just think we needed we could have done with more contact and lectures from people who are actually out in in practice um and actually learning about i guess it's like driving you pass your driving test and then you learn how to drive that's a bit mm -hmm. like dentistry um but uh zara and i went on a course in spain at bti looking at um advanced course on implants in the atrophic maxilla and weirdly enough there were two undergrads there from austria and they were placing implants as undergrads and they just had totally different education to us mm -hmm. and they were doing real dentistry that a population could have so i mean it's not the fault of the universities but i think the nhs system the way it is now is really holding back dentistry and i think universities are kind of um pandering to that a little bit so more real world dentistry would be my answer where can you find a mentor? This is something that it's a little bit like getting the question, where can you find a wife? Um, <laughs> anywhere, but where are you most likely? Yeah, I mean, th this is the thing. You're less likely to find that if you sit at home alone, right? Yeah. So I think the key is getting out there and meeting people because things click with people. Go to courses. Go to study clubs, go to local meetings, join societies, go to their events. And then when you meet people you get on with, try to make the effort to go to more of those types of things with people. So that that's I really believe in. I'm always trying to get everyone to go on courses with me or finding a mm -hmm. conference we can all go to. But when you went on a course earlier this year, I was like, go with a friend, mm -hmm. make it a thing, like turn it into an experience. And that's how these relationships relationships develop. So I think it's really important to get out there. And the more people you meet, the more likely you are to find a mentor. Mm. But you also have to be willing to sacrifice. You need to drive. I know you don't like people wasting uh, <laughs> fuel, but you, you need to you need to be willing to put yourself out. That might mean traveling, taking a day off when someone offers you an opportunity to see something you got to be a bit cheeky and ask. Sometimes you meet someone cool at a conference who does cool stuff. Mm. You say, hey, can I come watch you work? And when they say, yeah, you go, okay. And then you message them and say, I'm free on this day, are you? And you turn up. So many people do that here. You know, people mm. like Theo, who's now in Swansea, he's awesome. Because Theo goes and watches everyone work. He always puts time in. And it's just about um, giving before you expect to receive. Yeah. Would you be, I mean, I keep getting a lot of the algorithm throwing up some adverts for private dental mentoring it looks like a course i'm not entirely sure what they're offering but it does appear on my feed every other day would you be a bit skeptical sort of with those mentoring courses so i've actually looked at the one that's come up and there are some awesome people involved in that so i really believe it's probably a value but the problem for me is personally it's it's there to fulfill a need 
where people are trying to make that transition and it's really going to help you make that transition. I think um, it will be a form of mentorship and it will help. And I think it's absolutely worth doing having just glanced at it. So please don't take my word for it. Um, but it almost then turns it back into um, a cookie cutter approach again, mm -hmm. where there's a syllabus and a system and all of that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I just don't think it can be uh, tailored as much as a relationship. Um, and our last question, can you be mentored in the NHS system? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, I won't name him, but we have the coolest uh, guy in dental school. He was the guy who he really didn't like composite. He'd use a paper clip to make a temporary post. He knew all these little tricks. And you imagine he was only coming to the hospital to teach for a day and he was in practice the rest of the time. I'm not saying all those things are right to do, but the point is if you work with someone who enjoys working on the NHS, who loves it and who's been doing it for a long time, you can learn so much from them. I think the problem is when we learn from someone who doesn't like what they do. So you can absolutely be mentored on the NHS and actually... If you find someone you have a good relationship with who works on the NHS and loves it and has found a way to make it work in every sense for patients, for themselves, for the practice, I think you've struck gold there. But I think that's becoming more and more rare. I really mm. do. And I definitely wouldn't put myself in a position to be mentored by someone who isn't passionate about what they do because the, the misery will spread. Mm. I think that definitely when I came to the interview it was your passion that really like I could see that passion and that's why I was really excited then when I got the position to be able to sort of work around that love for dentistry I think is is invaluable did you at any point feel like maybe all of that was just to try and sell you into the position potentially but um I don't know maybe I'm naive I was <laughs> yeah. I mean we really do love dentistry this much yeah it's it's hard to trust people it's hard to trust people in dentistry it's you know the number of times I've been taken advantage of in all of these situations it's really difficult and to commit yourself to something I think I think the key with making decisions for your career in dentistry is if anyone tries to tie you into anything there's a problem <laughs> yeah I mean we always said to you you can if you find you're not getting something out of being a mentee here, we're not trying to tie you down to a, a cheap contract. So you can just give us a week's notice and go. And mm. that's cool. And all of our associates are in the same position. Because mm. just like with our patients, we all have to earn each other's loyalty and trust every day. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Um, I found this chat really, really useful. So thank you, Ali. Thank you. Um, and yeah, tune in next week for more pearls of wisdom if you have any questions that you want to ask or um any more information on anything head over to our instagram pearls dental podcast um you can send us a dm and hopefully we'll read it out on the next week's episode Thank you for joining us on this episode of Pearls, Two Generations in Dentistry. We hope you found our insights valuable and our stories engaging. Remember, we're here every week with new pearls of wisdom. We'd love to hear from you. Any feedback or suggestions for future topics, head to our Instagram, at Pearls Dental Podcast. Join the conversation and let's keep elevating the world of dentistry together. Until next time, this is Pearls, Two Generations in Dentistry, 
your go-to weekly dental podcast. This podcast is produced by Dr. Flo King. Thank you.